Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, North. Good morning, Northern Maine. Welcome to the Northern Maine Landman Show on the Constitutional Radio Network, the Conscience of Maine. Citizen-produced radio broadcast today in Maine and worldwide on TalkShoe Radio. Just Google TalkShoe Radio, Northern Maine Landman, and you'll find it. Well, gorgeous day. No more rain. We're not supposed to get rain for about a week. It is bone dry in the woods. The streams are drying up. I have no water going through. I've got two 36-inch culverts going underneath the road into my woodlot. There's not a drop of water going through those culverts. Bone dry. Red rust at the bottom of the culvert. Took a picture uh, the first week of September of the Piscataquis River in Howland, and I stopped on the interstate. Now I'm supposed to park on the interstate unless you go to flat or something. But I parked there, walked down, walked right out in the middle of the river on bare, dry bedrock. Stood there and took a photograph of the bridges on the interstate from underneath. And there was just a trickle of a brook going down through the Viscataquis River. Now they've they've uh, they're working on the dam at Holland, and there's a fishway uh, that they installed. The engineers have put in a fishway in the Penobscot River, where the Piscataquis River dumps in. But uh, fish can't find it. Can't find the fishway. Well. They're trying to re-engineer it and work it and try to figure out a way so that the fish can probably find the river. Not going to be very many fish in the river. A friend of mine uh, canoed, was a, group of, a group of people put kayaks in in Holland to canoe down to, down to uh, Argyle. 
on the Penobscot. They had to get out and walk in the Penobscot River, pulling their canoes behind them on ropes several places because there's not enough water in the Penobscot River to float the kayak. Now, this is part of this is the removal of dams. You know, the, the uh, environmental industry wants to take out all the dams. Well, they've taken out a bunch of dams and they've brought alewives in. The alewives used to not be able to get up the Penobscot River. Now the alewives can get up the Penobscot and they've gone up the past Dunpeg River and they had mentioned a couple of years ago on this show that there were a bunch of scuba divers in the in the uh, past Dunkeg River and nobody had ever seen scuba divers in the past Dunkeg River and they came up walking up to their truck and somebody asked them, said, what are you doing? Why are you scuba diving in the past Dunkeg River? They had a state contract to swim around in the past Dunkeg River and count alewives. But <laughs> yeah, they were official government contracted alewife counters. You can't make this stuff up. The uh, now the alewives have gone up the the past Dunkeg River and they made it up the fish ladder at uh, down there in Lowell. There's an old little hydro dam there, and uh, it's not generating any electricity today because there's no flow. The dams create the illusion that there's flow in the river. It isn't flow. It's a pond. There's no water going in, and there's no water going out. It's a pond in the bottom of the valley. And it's a, it used to be a river. But you look at the Manawankeg River. Now, the Manawankeg is an interesting river to observe because it starts way up above Island Falls, and the east branch and the west branch of the Manawankeg come together in Haines, uh, Haynesville. And I had a property for sale up there, 1,900 feet of frontage on the river. You can hippity-hop across that river today without getting a wet foot, stepping from rock to rock. Same thing up in in uh, Kingman. Is, uh, you can hop across the river from rock to rock without with your sneakers on, without getting a wet foot. There's not much water flow in the rivers. When you go across a bridge, bridges are usually built where there's easiest places to cross. You've got good solid rock on each side to put your abutments for the bridge. You don't build bridges very often where it's muddy because mud doesn't support bridges very well. Civil engineering. Water flow in many of our rivers in northern Maine is, is almost non-existent. And you can look on the on the pages, uh, the government reports these, these water levels. When I stood there in the middle of the Piscataquis River, looking up at the interstate bridges, standing on bare, dry bedrock, I looked, looked it up. And it's, 
the Stanaquis River is what they call a centennial river. And the Coastal Geodetic Survey people maintain records of water flows. This was the lowest water flow in over 100 years for that date, early September. It may have been an all-time record low since, since they first began to measure. And there are other centennial rivers. At that time, the, uh, the Narragwagus was at a 100-year low and a couple of other rivers. This drought is more profound than is being reported. I know of two farm ponds that are dried up. Not only dried up, but the bottom of the pond isn't even wet. The, the mud in the bottom of the pond has shrunk as the water evaporated, and it's all full of cracks, like the drought they had in the 1930s. They had the... the uh, the Dust Bowl during the Depression in the 1930s. We've got a strange economic situation in our nation. The stock market hit 23,000, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was first created. They took 30 of the largest privately owned corporations that in American industry. United States Steel, Pittsburgh Steel, General Motors, Ford, Chrysler Corporation, a couple of shipbuilders, some mining companies, mine coal and uh, oil companies that produced oil, the 30 industrials. They probably had a couple of aviation companies in there. I don't have a list of the original 30, but... I can tell you that most of those original 30 corporations are gone. And the Dow Jones Industrial Average is no longer industrial. They're not, they're not manufacturers. They're financial institutions. Not, they're not manufacturers. What they're not financial institutions. Not, they're not manufacturers. They're not exactly. They're, they're not manufacturers. They don't create wealth. Not, they they just they're shuffle. Not, exactly. They're not manufacturers. They don't That's create right. wealth. They, they just shuffle. Exactly. Oh, you you there, Jack? I've got feedback on the phone. I'm not sure if uh, Jack picked up or what the story is. Uh, the show was interrupted at 45 minutes last week. And I don't know what happened uh, with TalkShoe or wherever it happened, but it terminated. I found, found out about it later. I don't know uh, if somebody is uh, somewhat distressed about the subject matter or what, what's going on. But the fact is that... that uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is really not industrial average. It has nothing to do with manufacturing. It has to do with shuffling debt. Last night, there was a significant event that occurred in Congress. Congress passed a budget, 51 to 49. 
51 Republicans voted for the budget. And all the Democrats and and uh, Rand Paul voted against it. Rand Paul voted against it not to support the Democrats. He voted against it because it it uh, doesn't control spending. We haven't had a budget since Obama was elected. They liked George Bush's budget so much over the seven years or eight years of Obama that they just passed continuing resolutions. In other words, the money was not legally appropriated. They said, we're going to spend money, and people will like it. Janet Yellen was confirmed as the head of the Federal Reserve four years ago. And Janet Yellen promised Barack Hussein Obama that she was going to print money just as fast as he could spend it. Well, that's debt. And the debt went up just as fast as Obama's spending binge. We didn't have a budget. They just spent money all over the place. There were all kinds of ridiculous stuff. And last night, they passed a $4 trillion budget. First one of those ever. When they first passed a trillion-dollar budget about eight years ago, you know, everybody says, oh, my God, a whole a trillion dollars? And it's a two-year budget, a trillion dollars. Now we've passed a $4 trillion budget, and I have not read it. I know it happened during the night last night. They do stuff like that during the night. And it, uh, I don't know when it ends. I don't know how long it's good for. They passed these continuing continuing resolutions over the last decade or so to prevent going over the fiscal cliff. That sounds pretty ominous. You know, if you go over the cliff, it's usually usually not a good thing. The fiscal cliff doesn't exist. There is no such thing. It's simply a scheduling thing that Congress says, well, you know, we probably ought to pass a continuing resolution to... Uh, to prevent, you know, having to declare bankruptcy. Well, we've been bankrupt for a couple of decades. We just we just uh, don't talk about it. <laughs> There's no way we can pay a debt. There's no way we can pay the interest on the debt. So, since we can't pay the interest on the debt, they declare the interest rate to be zero. Yeah, that's convenient. They get the interest rate of zero, and who's going to invest, put their money into a place where the interest rate is zero? You go to the bank, local bank, and you walk in there and you deposit your money in a bank account. And the bank holds it for you. Well, in Japan, they charge you money to store your money. They're going to negative interest rate. You walk in and you want to deposit $10,000, they say, okay, well, you give us $10,000, and for $400, we will store your money for a year. And that's coming. That'll happen in this country. 
you've got right now a situation where you've got people who who uh, put you ten thousand dollars in the bank, and it's a quarter of one percent. One percent of ten thousand dollars is a hundred dollars. A quarter of that is twenty-five bucks. So you put ten thousand dollars in the bank, and a year later you've got ten thousand and twenty-five dollars. That's the interest rate. Interest rate on home mortgages. If you want to, if you want to buy a house, you know the interest rate is just now ticked back up over four percent. But something happened during the budget uh, process last night. They're going to stop allowing you to deduct your home mortgage interest. So when you buy a house, in the first, you got the most homeowners will go out and they want to minimize their payments because they're going to have to buy you know, a washing machine and a dryer and a stove and a refrigerator. And they've got to buy some furniture and they want to do some landscaping, one thing or another. So they buy this house and they've got, to, to, to minimize the, the payment, they take out a 30-year mortgage. Well, Billy and Susie have got this 30-year mortgage. Billy and Susie were able to deduct the mortgage interest rate on their mortgage. But that's an incentive to to um, prop up the banks and so that the banks can lend money. And then they then they uh, you know it, it's a it's a big benefit to the banks. But this is going away. I don't know when this this budget starts. What's day one of the new budget? I don't know whether it's the, the end of the fiscal year or, or when it is. But we'll find out. It'll be in the fine print, the second to last paragraph in the article. That's that's where the news, the real news is. You'll have this long article talking about the budget and what it took to get it passed and all this wonderful stuff. Way down at the end, in the second to last paragraph, is the real facts, if they appear at all. That's where it'll appear, over there on page 17 in the newspaper down there at the bottom inside. You'll see it. I don't know what's going to happen. I wish I knew. I just don't at this point. I'll know next week. Janet Yellen was made head of the Federal Reserve. Uh, they had several candidates. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted to be responsible for what's happening. Janet Yellen is going to get a very comfortable retirement when she finally steps aside. And then somebody's going to say, oh, my God, you know. Students get, want free tuition at college. They want to be able to go take a four-year vacation, leave, get out of high school and move out of the house, and they go to four years of college, and 
then they go out and they expect to get a job because they want four years to college. Many of the students do not graduate from college with saleable skills. It was people won't pay them to do what they know, to show what they know. Because you can't make money at it. Colleges are turning out graduates who don't know much. But they feel good about themselves, just like they did in grammar school and in high school. The educational system is creating young people who expect to be supported by other people. And they expect to be employed by large corporations who will pay them to be there. But they can't produce anything of value. And these corporations are part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. But it isn't industrial. So, we're in the bind. And there's no way out. I wish I could offer you some encouragement. But we've got $23 trillion in debt that we can't pay. And Congress keeps bumping that up. They authorize more borrowing. And last night they passed the budget. I don't know what's in it. But I know one thing that's not in it, and that's the home mortgage deduction. You can't deduct your whole house payment from your income, but you can, you can, as of this year, you can still deduct your mortgage interest that you paid in. So Billy and Susie, guess what, kids? This is the last of the good times. This is a crushing blow to the housing industry. And already in the month of September, there was a huge drop in building permits and in new construction starts on residential. Huge. And uh, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. But the poor suckers that boosted the Dow Jones average above 23,000 are going to get burned. 30 years ago today is the day that the crash occurred in 1987. Stock market crash. It went from 14,000 to 7,000 very quickly over just a few days. The stock market value was was cut in half. It wasn't real then, and it isn't real now. The stock market isn't really worth 23,000. And people are going to realize that. And, you know, eventually, the dividends are going to stop. You've got these large Internet people, corporations like Netscape and Google and various other uh, corporations that create images on your computer screen. 
You don't pay for it. Anybody can Google something, and it's like a dictionary. And it's all the information is, is there, and you can learn about stuff. I was talking with somebody at, uh, at an aviation museum in Pennsylvania last week, and we're talking about helicopters. They used to have helicopters in this museum, and all the helicopters are gone. They're moving in older antique planes that predate helicopters here. Emphasis is on World War II. And we didn't have any helicopters in World War II. The Germans did. The Germans had helicopters in World War II. They were not extensively used, but they did have them. And it's a great way to move people from place to place as long as you've got a place big enough for the helicopter to land. You, know, you can land them right at the road intersection, drop them off, and off you go. We uh, we didn't have helicopters in World War II. They were developed just after the war. And then they were used extensively in Korea in order to uh, primarily rescue people. Helicopters back then were really easy to shoot down. You put a lot of rounds through a helicopter and not... not uh, harm the helicopter or, may, or disable the helicopter unless you hit the pilot and then it crashes. So uh, I was in the Dominican Republic and I went to the embassy during the revolution and landed there and this gentleman came out and said, uh, can you take these two children out to the ship? And there's a boy and a girl, 10, 12 years old. And I said, yes, sir. I said, but... If I get shot, everybody dies. Oh, <laughs> took the children back in the embassy again. You'd have a hard time explaining that to Mama if the children were shot down in a helicopter. We uh, we live in interesting times. Some famous uh, philosophers said, "May you live in interesting times." Uh, an Asian philosopher. can't remember his name. But we do live in interesting times because we've gotten ourselves into a situation where it is not possible to remedy the situation through normal means. We can't pay down the debt because that's artificial. It's created out of nothing. When Billy and Susie sign the mortgage on the house, the bank writes a check out of nothing. Nothing more than Billy and Susie's promise to pay $500 a month for the next 30 years. Just to pick a number out of the air. It is 30 years. Most mortgages are 30 years. If you've got the ability and you want to mortgage something, go for 20 years or 15 years or 10 years. And you'll pay the bank a whole lot less money. And you'll come out the other end a more responsible and more prosperous family. But that's that's not done very often. There's a commentator on TV who's a smart guy, and he tells the truth. He tells people to get debt-free, 
pay down your highest highest interest rate debt first, which is your credit card debt. Some people are paying 27% interest rates on credit cards. Banks love that. If you pay the minimum balance every month on your credit cards, you're paying a pile of money to the banks, and banks love this. And when you swipe your credit card now, you go into Walmart and you buy a bunch of stuff, and you get 75 bucks worth of stuff that you bought in Walmart. You swipe your card, it's gone from your savings account instantly. It used to be that when you when you wrote a big check to buy a car or a house, the check wouldn't would you write the check to the dealer or the or the seller of the house, and it'd be three days before the money showed up in their account because it had to go through the Federal Reserve in Boston. And the Federal Reserve would then write a counter check and the home seller would actually get the money. Not that way anymore. It's instantaneous. When you swipe your debit card, not only is all of your life's information disappeared off of that card into somebody else's record, your money's gone. When you swipe the card for $5,000, you bought a boat or a snowmobile or whatever, it's gone from your savings account. And that's what a debit card is. It, it just wipes it. But all of your personal information went right along with it to a company and said, yep, this really is Sam Jones. And he had more than $5,000 in his account. And we took the $5,000 out, and we paid it to the snowmobile dealer. And it pops, in, pops up in his account instantly. And then he he pays Polaris or Skidoo or whoever for the, for the inventory that they placed on his lot. Because he didn't write Polaris or Skidoo a check when the snowmobile showed up. The snowmobile manufacturers, just like the car manufacturers, send all of their inventory out, and they get they get these dealers to to store it for them in these boxes out back. And eventually, somebody will want to buy one. They drag the box in, open it up, and assemble all the loose parts from the snowmobile and sell it to you. And at that point, the manufacturer gets paid. Manufacturers have huge amounts of inventory out there in car lots at dealerships. And the dealers don't own these vehicles. The dealers have a contract to sell them for the manufacturers. But who owns them? Well, the manufacturer owns them. So the manufacturer went into debt to produce them. Half of an of American-made pickup is made outside the country. Lots of parts made in Mexico and Canada and various other places around the world. I, uh, I lost a starter on a Kubota tractor. The starter just failed. <clears throat> so I got a hold of Kubota and said, hey, I need a starter. Okay, that's $283. Well, I said, okay, well, just hold off on that a minute. <laughs> 
there's a place down in, in Brewer, Maine, that can rewind starters and fix them. And I investigated and found out that they could do that. Well, I needed the tractor. So I looked online. I Googled the part number. Well, the starter is made by Mitsubishi. That starter appears on dozens and dozens of vehicles, including Mitsubishi automobiles, various other Japanese cars, most of the of the tractors in the whole world, anything in the 50 horsepower or in under range, anything from 25 to 50 horsepower, Mahindras and Coyotes and Kubotas, and there are no ma- ma- tractors under 50 horsepower made in the USA except for some lawn tractors. And so you got... Uh, New Holland, which is the old Ford, that's a, uh, they all use the same starter, this Mitsubishi starter. So I looked on, looked on uh, Amazon, and up pops this starter. $73. See, that's a whole lot better than buying the exact same part with the same part number for $273. So I bought it from Amazon. It was there in two days. Put it on the tractor, tractor starts up. Now I've got a used starter motor, and I'm going to take it down to the guy in Brewer, and if he can rewind it and do it for less than $73, I'll have a spare spare starter motor. It's made in Japan by Mitsubishi. And it's funny to learn this stuff along the way. And I never would have known it if it hadn't been for Google. But I've never paid Google anything. You know, Google is this huge uh, dictionary of information. And there's another one out there uh, where you can you can fill in your own information and add to the knowledge base or the opinion base, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I don't use it very often, but I I looked up Deception Island because the subject came up in conversation on one of my helicopter forums. Deception Island is an island south of the Shetland Islands and north of the Antarctic. It's a volcano out in the South Atlantic, way South Atlantic. And it was a whaling station back in the 1800s. And some prior time, long time ago, the volcano erupted, and it was an explosive. Volcanoes erupt on ocean islands. It's usually quite an event. It blew a piece out of the edge of the volcano, and the ocean flowed in. So now you got salt water in the in the volcano. And it's boiling and bubbling and sizzling. And steam is coming up and get noxious sulfur vapors coming up. And the, the, uh, the whalers would go in there and boil down the whale blubber to make whale oil. But I was on the only American ship 
the only U.S. military ship ever to run aground inside an active volcano. That's a noteworthy event. So I posted it on this on this uh, forum, this knowledge base, and one of the one of the editors said needs verification. So they put a footnote on my thing. I've got pictures of the USS. Actually, it's a U.S. Coast Guard cutter Eastwind was a a icebreaker, and we ran aground inside the active volcano. I found a map from the 1800s of this volcano, and it's in fathoms. And somebody sailed in there, and they measured 97 fathoms. Well, a fathom is six feet, so 100 times six feet is 600 feet deep. So it, you know, the center of the volcano is 600 feet deep, and the volcano heats the water, and now tourist ships go in there. They've got these cruise ships that go on these adventure cruises. I mean, some people go out and sail around the Caribbean on a cruise ship and just sleep and eat and listen to the entertainment and veg out for a week. I couldn't do it. <laughs> I will never go on a cruise. Uh, if somebody if somebody told me I had won a cruise and I really had won a cruise somehow, I would donate it to somebody that wants to go on a cruise. I just <laughs> I couldn't go out there and veg for a week on a on a cruise ship. I just couldn't do it. I'm too active. So we're kinda of covering a lot of different subjects today, but most of them are pertinent to Maine people. We've got a drought. And the streams are very, very low. We're gonna have a really poor trout spawning season this fall because we're almost done with trout spawning. It's, you know, here we are at the end of October. It's October 20th. We've only got 10 days to go, approximately, Halloween. And <clears throat> trout aren't able to spawn. They, can, they will spawn. They'll spawn on on beaches near streams if they have to, in, in lakes. <clears throat> but the the trout fry, the little bitty trout that hatch in, in much of the Penobscot River watershed are going to be gobbled up by alewives, juvenile alewives. Alewives grow very fast. And they, uh, they, uh, scavengers, they eat up all kinds of life. Polywogs and all those little small animals and bugs in streams. They eat small trout, small bass, small white perch, small yellow perch. They eat everything. They're voracious. They're small fish. They're voracious. Even when they first start out, they're they're eating up all all the small life in a pond. When alewives get into a watershed. The first thing that happens is we lose the smelt, and you know smelt is a really important food fish for salmonids, trout and salmon. When the smelt are gone, the trout and salmon are not going to prosper. So we're going to put nailwise back into the system is uh, 
is very detrimental to sporting for guides and recreational fishermen, trout fishermen. Brook trout live in brooks, <clears throat> spawn in brooks, and when they get big enough, they go down to the lakes. But as long as they can spawn in the in the brooks, they're okay. Alewives come up rivers and they go into lakes and they they spawn in lakes, shallow water. And then the big alewives die. So what's what happens is that we're gonna have a whole lot of dead alewives on the shores of our of our ponds in the Penobscot River watershed. And Mother Nature's going to come along and clean up. And that is skunks. That is otters. Mink. Coyotes. Bears. All the scavengers. Eagles. Eagles Eagles like slippery fish. Eagles are lazy. And they like pickerel and they like trout because they don't have big scales. Eagles don't really like alewives. They'll try try to find something better. Eagles like like to eat the fish. Some fishermen dump their bait out on the lake when they're done ice fishing. They don't have any way to keep keep their bait long term, so they just dump it out on the ice and the eagles eat it. And eagles eat uh, deer, What's left over? Coyotes chase deer out on the ice, kill the deer, and what the coyote doesn't clean up, the eagles will clean up. So the nature, are, are what we have expected all our lives, and I was born before World War II, and I expected, you know, when you're a kid, you expect things to stay the way they are. And if you like your life, you like the area you live in, you know, it's good if we preserve our heritage. We got a guy who tried to give a, a speech at a college somewhere on the East Coast here. I don't know where it was. They commented on it. This guy had thousands of rioters and hundreds of police and helicopters and SWAT teams and snipers set up. I mean, it was just this huge. This guy was just, I didn't even know the guy. I can't, don't know his name, don't know what he wanted to talk about. He was talking about preserving our heritage, as far as I know. I don't know if he hates anybody or what the story is, but there are a whole lot of people in our country that do not want to preserve our heritage. So, we, uh, It's a problem because life was good back in the 30s. Well, we had a depression, okay? But cash was tough, and a lot of people didn't have full-time jobs with full medical insurance benefits, and they had to. It was a tough, tough time to get by, and. Neighbors helped out neighbors. A guy would split wood in, in exchange for some food. And there was a lot of barter going on because the cash, cash flow was was low in the 30s. 
I grew up in the 40s, remember World War II, and people were going around scrounging stuff, and the ladies were donating their silk stockings. They reprocessed them and make parachutes, all the silk stockings. And they, they were saving fat, and they'd mix fat with various other ingredients, make homemade soap right on the kitchen stove. And they'd pour it into muffin tins and make soap, bar soap, homemade. People don't know how to do that anymore. You can find it on Google, <laughs> but uh, people don't. There's a lot of life skills that young people don't have. Our school doesn't have shop. Our school doesn't have home economics. Home economics is nothing more than survival and being efficient and wise use of the resources that we have. Wise use is a target for the environmentalists. They don't want With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.